Hello everybody, this is Christian K. Harris. You're listening to Memo From Myself. And before we get going, just a reminder to like us on Facebook at Memo From Myself. Follow us on Twitter, or follow me at Twitter, I guess, at CKH Official. Find us on Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts at Memo From Myself. Give me a five-star review on iTunes because it helps me so much and gives me that warm fuzzy feeling in the pit of my stomach that you folks care. I have a very special episode for you folks today. I had an interview with Sarah Hammond, who's the candidate for PA House 169th, and it was amazing and a great interview, and I'm excited for you folks to hear it, so let's roll right into it. everybody my name is christian k harris and with me today i have candidate and future state representative for the pa 169th house district sarah hammond on the other end how's it going (laughs) i got her finally after months of preparing and trying to get this all set up we finally have it because busy schedules all across the board right but it's all right oh yeah that's that's life because didn't we meet like five months ago maybe has it been that long already? Because every time know. I drive past Fake Good Shop, I'm always like, oh my gosh, last time I was there was with Christian, but I can't believe it's been that long already. Maybe it hasn't. I don't know. So we're actually going to start with a little piece of news. I don't know if you've been following the PA Democratic Party page, but did you see what Scott Wagner said to a uh, girl? 18- oh, poor Rose. I'm so glad that she stood up. I wish I could meet her in person and shake her hand or that I could have been there to heckle him a little bit because that was absolutely atrocious. That- I, I, I saw that whenever I got off of work today and I just, um, it really made my blood boil. First with, I think it was Rick Santorum um, yesterday coming on the air talking about like, oh, I've there's a four minute window where we can talk about this teletown hall or whatever because he was in dc about everything going on with trump this week and then to come back the next day and to see um you know today everything with scott wagner calling people or calling rose out and calling our generation out on being a little bit young and naive and it makes my blood boil it makes my blood boil a lot because we are the voice of this generation in all honesty you know Scott Wagner has X amount of time to really make an impact, and the impact that he's trying to make is really, really devastatingly negative at this point in time. It's not someone that I think is good to represent this party, he's not good on behalf of the environment, he's not good on behalf of women, minorities, you know, labor workers, or anyone who falls in between. It's a lot of really harsh rhetoric from someone who I think just wants to get into power. And I completely agree with that. I firmly believe this is just a power grab for him to lessen regulations on his waste company. And this video actually in in question references his comments on climate change being caused by humans' body heat. I actually did a satire piece on that a while back talking about the same thing. But I'm actually going to play the video for people who haven't heard it. It's It's just shocking that someone can have that much audacity. And for a man who's running for this position to represent an entire body of people across our entire state, um, including many people in our generation and who are are coming to him with these concerns to just shut someone down like that in such a way that you're being manipulative and essentially being a bully for those issues, it's, it's unacceptable. And let's hear this firsthand live bullying. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Awesome. My name is Rose. I'm 18, and I'm really concerned about the future of our country. 
two-thirds of Pennsylvanians think that climate change is an issue that needs to be addressed, but you have said that climate change is a result of people's body heat and are refusing to take action on the issue. Does this have anything to do with the $200,000 um, that you have taken from the fossil fuel industry? Rose, you know what, I appreciate you being here and you're 18 years old and, you know, you're, you're a little young and naive. Let me, let me, uh, Rose, let me, let, let's talk about something else. So I'm glad that was met with applause from the crowd. It's so it's it's infuriating that people stand behind. You know, these are the same individuals who put Trump into power in many cases. People who I think in a lot of cases are voting not on behalf of educating themselves, but it's part of what's really polarized this party, both parties, like the political system in general. I think it's so crucial that people like Rose and people like ourselves are going out there and doing the groundwork to stand up for our future because the future is ours. We're going to be here for the next, you know, 60 to 80 years. It'll be our children and the generations moving on and going forward that are going to be directly impacted by this. And furthermore, just to have an utter lack of respect from everyone in that room who, you know, clapped in support, and especially from someone who we're trying to put in as a representative, is absolutely disgusting. And it's important, and we can't stand for that. Like, to be 18 and go in front of a room of people who, I'm going to go off on a limb here if it was a Republican group, they probably have a good 30, 40 years on you, and to speak up like that and to call scott wagner out on taking the money from the fossil fuel industry fossil fuel industry that that took a lot of guts and to have them all laugh at you that's mind-boggling and this kind of segues into our first question for you is stuff like that is that what drew you to run why is sarah running for the 169th house seat there are a number of things and i'll tell you um from the get-go i knew that i wanted to get involved and that i wanted to make a difference i knew that you know over years we grew up i remember Growing up through Bush's administration, you know, having the pleasure of being able to be a little bit older and to witness and be able to look back both on Clinton's, on Bush's, and then being able to have the opportunity to live through Obama's administration um, and moving forward. I, I can remember the polls coming in. Um, on election night in 2016 and my stomach just sinking because exactly what's happening is exactly what myself and I'm sure you and a number of other individuals within our country were envisioning would happen in this scenario. Trump as president, the hatred starting to come out, leading the way for other members of the party. And this could be on any side, but we're starting, we're seeing it obviously a lot right now on the Republican side, really encompassing and embodying fake news and bullying people down on this. So for myself, um, you know, in the state of PA, you have to be 21 years old to run for the state house of representatives or 25 to run for the state Senate. I was looking into an opening on the city council in Hanover a couple months ago. I'd say towards, I think it was towards the end of last year, maybe very beginning of this year. And right around that time, I had met an individual who was on the council who had suggested that I run for this position and was really, really a stronghold. I'm not sure if you've had the opportunity to meet Janine Franzies at all. Um, she's wonderfully vocal both within our democratic community and Hanover for Progress in the area and sits on the Hanover Council and is just someone who is really active in helping anyone who wants to get involved in the community to make a positive change. She's been extremely influential in getting me into running and helping me get onto the track where I'm at. So prior to that, I figured maybe I would run for a state position at some point in my life. I wasn't really sure, but after speaking to her and her enthusiasm for me running for this position and the support from the community, just 
you know, having the recognition that now's the time, the political climate right now, because we are a fairly conservative area when it comes to registered voters and everything. Now, that can mean a number of things, but everything across the board that I've found that has driven me to run is that I feel like it came down to a lack of transparency and accountability, both from my representative and from representatives all across the state. I was feeling as though my current representative hasn't been adequate in representing myself, my peers, and even those who have supported her throughout my community and some of the bills that she's tried to pass through the House or that she stood up for or that she's refused to make a stance on, like the fair districting bill, uh, which I think that anyone on any party would be able to get behind a nonpartisan bill like that. Well, there is always the... um issue that people like to call that Republicans will lose seats if the maps are redistricted. Do you think that's probably what Kate Klunk's big fear is? That if it's redistricted, she would lose the seat a lot easier than she could lose it now? I honestly think that Kate's thoughts on it is that it could be a touchy thing in regard to her party. And I think that she, based on her past voting records and things that she stood for and things she's made a blatant you know refusal to stand for is i think she wants to keep her position and i think the party wants her to keep her position and i think that she votes very strictly to party lines if you look at her voting record that's something that's shown across the level and if she doesn't vote strict on the party line then she abstains her vote as to not go against it so Um, are these votes along party lines bad for your district like i know it's a very environmental area i imagine she's probably not too keen on keeping it as pretty as it is now there is there is actually when we were doing some research into her voting record and stuff there is an organization at the state level here that gives out well there are multiple of them but there's one at the state level that's very prominent in giving out grades essentially for representatives and how they voted in accordance to things that would help like bills that would help the environment whether it be something very small that adds up over time or to larger things and i believe she had a zero percent on that environmental rating from the from the state. Ow. So for someone like me who's living right next door, you know, to Cadoris and Lake Marburg, to going through like the beautiful valleys and everything within the far end of my district, Shrewsbury, or one of the far ends of my district, Shrewsbury and like Glen Rock and New Freedom, especially railroad and, you know, driving through the sticks and seeing all the beautiful land and even in around Hanover and, you know, Cadoris, Penn Township. My, I'm so blessed to be in such a beautiful district but there's so much work that we need to do to be able to preserve it. And the fact that it's such a simple stance and it, it shouldn't be a political stance really to stand for environmental issues, to take care of the world. We have one world that we're here for, you know? So it's issues such as this and the lack of standing up through her voting record as a strong representative for women, for minorities, for members of our LGBTQIA community, um, and the most marginalized members of our community in need of adequate health care options without sort of bankruptcy, you know, between the environmental issues, those, and the fact that my district is proud of our blue-collar hometown roots, our people take care of their companies, their co-workers, and their surroundings, and they boost our local economies. So it's really imperative that we make sure that we're being um, accurate representatives and that we're taking care of them as well as we can to the best of our abilities. And it's just infuriating to me that I feel like the position's vacant. And that actually was a good segue into my next uh, question is, as a woman who's running against a woman, do you find that like people seem to focus on that too much and expect you to have every single answer on women's issues? 
like all encompassing? Surprisingly, no. And truthfully, I don't. I don't have all the answers. I don't know every single piece of legislation and public policy. No one does, but it's our duty to educate ourselves to the best of our abilities so that we're able to make the best and sometimes incredibly difficult choices that are the healthiest for us. And it's also imperative in the process that we are protecting the rights of those different from us to make the decisions that are the healthiest for themselves. Through the entirety of my adult life, particularly being a woman, the issues that I and that many other women and members of the LGBTQIA community who are affected have faced are constant and I mean, daily reminders of some of the breaches on personal liberties that we face and that, you know, members of both parties want to say are constitutional rights, but our Republican counterparts are failing to meet the standards for. And that can be anything from pro-life being a term disguised for pro-birth, but not pro-quality of life not giving adequate resources and health care to women and families, not whether it's education, whether it's looking into our schools and looking at how we talk about our sexual education to both men and women. It kind of ties into a lot of, you know, the harshness that is thrown towards feminists and the idea that feminism is just, you know, this really abhorrent off the ro- off the walls concept, but it's it's really not. It's about working together so that we can better the quality of life for women and everyone around us. So I may not know the answer to every single question, but in the cases where I fall short on knowledge, I make a concentrated effort to engage in discussions where I'm able to learn and to contract a response within or with my research within a 48 hour notice if I'm answering a question at like a town hall or face to face or someone online. I always make an effort to reach out to hear what an individual has to say because we, it's, it's impossible for everyone to know every single thing. And there are a lot of people that I trust on certain issues. You know, if it's something that's important to you, reach out to me, reach out to your current representatives and hold us accountable for what is important to you, because this is how we move forward together. So you talked about accountability and earlier in the um, interview, you mentioned Donald Trump and the feeling you felt after he was elected. I saw this myself in canvassing. I had a lady who, when I opened the door, she asked me if I was for Trump. And then she's like, if not, get off my porch. And I was kind of taken aback because I'm like, we're talking about state level issues here. And that's completely just for the most part disconnected from federal policy. Do you find that this growth of politics being almost all parts of some people's lives, making it harder to run at the state level? Because when you talk to people, they seem to want to just bring up federal issues and federal policy and somewhat ignore these state issues and state policies. Focusing on your question about how it kind of impacts, I guess, my run and the difficulty for running for this position and we, we hear a lot about federal issues. If you go on, you know, Fox News is very big around here, but we have a lot of outlets where you hear national headlines because that's what people think is the most important. It's an overarching thing. It's just, it's like this celebrity big, big ticket topic, but past that, it's like there's, it's so a lot of people are out of touch. They see it's happening and they feel helpless and it's turned into like a polarized, almost like a sports team. It's like batting a tennis ball back and forth anymore. So I think that the national focus on federal politics can make or break a discussion for some individuals. Like you said, door to door, I've had some experiences with that as well. 
um, and so have members of my team, of course. And that can be difficult, but overall, I think that in some cases that happens, but I'm finding that the most difficulty that I and that many of my colleagues running for state and local offices seem to face is a general lack of understanding or miscommunication between the responsibility of local government, state government, and the federal level. I've encountered many constituents who have, um, at the first introduction, mistaken my run for state house, assuming that I'm running for Congress. And that kind of goes back to what we're able to retain or what we're allowing our teachers to teach about civics, you know, um, what what people are retaining, how the politics have changed over the decades, and just what people feel is being done or not done, how they're feeling their voices are heard. I'd say that this is a lot more common, a lot more prevalent than I would have anticipated. Many of the people I've spoken to have articulated that they didn't even realize that they have a representative at this level, which is wow. uh, not good. <laughs> I think it's imperative that we reach out and express the importance of educating oneself on the local issues and the platforms of the candidates vying to represent us, both myself and who are in office, all across the board. This is not specific to any one party. This is all across, you know, it's important to educate ourselves, our friends, neighbors, colleagues, and constituents both inside and out of our base on really looking inward, educating themselves on their topics and the platforms of those trying to represent them and to find what really stands true to them and to vote accordingly, not just to vote because the news tells me to or because this is the way my family's always voted and, and this is just how it is. It's really important for people to know that your vote is your voice, and we only rise to make change when we each make the stand for our convictions. A very wise man once told me when I was very, you know, just getting into the beginning of my race, he was an, is an amazing mentor, and he told me, you know, all politics is local. It all starts at this level, and this position is really the highest level, I think, that you can get to where you can still be in touch and uh, with your constituents on a daily level almost and to really get involved and make sure that their voices are being heard You know, I'm running but I'm not just running to represent Democrats. I'm not just running for independence I'm running to represent Republicans libertarians people who aren't even registered or affiliated You know, we're here in this together and we're representing as a whole so to make your voice heard you need to vote You need to get out you need to make it to town halls and you need you know That's where the accountability and transparency comes back is really telling people you and reminding them that your vote is your voice and this is the level where you make a change because if you can hold your local leaders accountable and your state leaders and reps accountable then they in turn should be keeping your federal level people accountable as well so do you think that this spreading of disinformation and lack of education on civics is something that a lot of people in the establishment on both parties uses to their advantage they almost want us to not really understand the choices that we have to make it's something that's very important all across the board, and I, I think that there are a number of issues that people of all parties are guilty of, whether it's at the national level or on an individual basis, you know. I think that for some people it's really easy to get swept into the idea that I'm running, I want to make a change. Once you're in politics, you get so swept into the party, you know, into a party maybe that, you know, you really want to use what works best for you to win. But it's how can we do this ethically? How can we educate people? For me, education is the number one thing for me, both as a platform standpoint for public education and also just when it comes to personal education. I think that my background is in communications. I have fairly extensive knowledge within digital media realms as well as print and media and just kind of how that all works and ties together and with public policy. And 
there's a huge disconnect because right now we sort of have a couple layers. It's almost like an peeling an onion when it comes to the different generations and what people know to trust via their news sources and checking facts versus um, what would have been acceptable before the internet, you know? So there's so much that gets involved and um, can get in the way that I think that that is the single largest, um, I guess, wall in the way of effectively communicating what needs to be done and educating those indivi- like individuals. But I do think that it's something that's prevalent on on all sides of the spectrum, and it's really that's why that's why education educating yourself is so important. Endless and reaching across aisles. You know, I'm willing to work with anyone across any aisle um, and to listen to any constituent because that's what this position is for. We don't we don't move forward when we're batting the ball back and forth. We move forward when we reach out and we listen and have constructive conversations and try to find positive solutions that allow us to progress forward for the better of everyone involved. So in the vein of information and reaching out to people, I am a blue-collar Republican. What would you say to me to sell me on Sarah Hammond? Why should I vote for you over Kate Klunk? Because when I see Republicans, I see the people who want me to keep my tax dollars, who want to make sure that I have a good-paying job. Why should I forego what I have believed to be the right choice for you? Well, there are a number of things, but I would very first start and tell you that I am a blue-collar Democrat. I was, in my college years, registered as an independent because at the time I wasn't sure that I wanted to make a stance on either side because I believed in voting on behalf of the people that I felt would stand best for me. But I think what gets lost in translation is true motives for individuals. So what I would tell you is to start by contact. If you if you knew that you had a representative, first off, I would tell you to look into their voting records and to see what those mean and how that impacts you. Um, you know, we are a very large manufacturing factoring area. If you look into Kate's background um, versus my working background, I spent almost two years working as night shift, as a second second shift embroidery operator for a local manufacturer in in Hanover, in my hometown, uh, called Legacy Athletic, and you know. Paige, the owner that runs a wonderful company. I had the pleasure of working with a lot of great individuals who helped me grow in a number of ways. And, you know, it wasn't an easy job by any means, but there are jobs like this all around. You know, we have we have Uts here right outside of the district. We have people working at Snyder's. We have plenty of people who are working, you know, maybe you're an electric worker, maybe you're um, working railroads. Like there, there are infinite options. And at the end of the day, I think if you talk to a Democrat or an independent or anyone across the aisle, no one wants to lose money. We want the money that we have and the taxes that we have to be properly allocated to best benefit you um, and to best benefit those around you, whether it comes to public education, whether it's road infrastructure, you know, infra- public infrastructure, roads and bridges and the like, whether it is um, providing, you know, health care for all, which with as much money as we bring in, there's no reason that at the very minimum we can't start working on primary care and building the blocks for full coverage for individuals, you know? There's no reason that someone who's working anywhere from 40 to maybe even a mandatory 80 hours a week should be living in fear that, um, you know, the taxes that are being taken out of their paychecks on top of what they have to pay for insurance premiums for, 
anything else could uh, effectively bankrupt them. So do you think that's an issue that the Democrats seem to have is that when they're addressed on increasing just government spending on the things the government should be spending money on, um, people right away go to, we don't want you to increase our taxes. Do you think the Democrats don't focus enough on the idea that we're not going to increase your taxes, we're just going to reallocate the funding that already exists? I think you have to break that down on an individual level. For example, just, of course, I'm, you know, I know you're familiar with Jess King, who's running as a congressional House candidate in our district, is doing an incredible job at um, speaking on behalf of this. I'm trying to emulate that. Judy or Judith Higgins is running for state Senate in my district, and she's doing the exact same thing, as well as plenty of people across the board. You know, you see the races in New York and, you know, some in California, like, doors and tables and things are flipping we're breaking glass ceilings we're doing all these things because we're starting to listen more to the people and what they want to hear we're starting to address the concerns instead of talking in circles and leaving people in the dark and i think that's a big thing why we've driven people away from our party in the past but not even just democrats as a whole but like when we look at government and politics why people are coming out and or refusing to come out to the polls in some cases, why it's not as important as it was generations ago, you know? I think it's really important to make sure that every person you speak to, you speak to like they're the most important person to you in that moment because they should be. You know, every single person is a representative of the demographic that we're standing to support. And this is all across all across the state. I just think that it's imperative that we continue to listen to those messages. And when we're asked a question like, I don't want you to raise my taxes, it's important to address, well, we don't necessarily want to raise the taxes. We want, you know, to look at the state level and to look at the local level and what's within our um, jurisdiction to do. And we want to make sure that the money that you're spending, you are reaping the benefits back because that's that's the point of taxes. So would you say it's not really an issue of overtaxation? It's an issue of bad management of the funds that already exist? I would say overall, yes. I would have to look into individual issues because I'm sure that there are different areas where we could differ in opinions on this. But I will tell you that if you follow our Auditor General for PA, um, Eugene DePasquale, both on Twitter or on Facebook, he's very good at being open and, you know, on the daily, I'm always learning new things from what his office is producing. And the same thing with Tom Wolf. when you see, and you know what, and also following on, you know, members of other sides of the spectrum, uh, political spectrum and in other states too, I think it's important that we learn from each other and we listen from each other to do what's best for everyone as a whole. I mean, if there is one thing you could give Trump is he is pretty open about what he thinks. And I mean, for better or worse, and you mentioned Eugene Pasquale, how open he is. I think that's a good trend we're seeing in politics, maybe not to the extent that our president's doing it, but this kind of push for more transparency for the new public service aspect that we're instead of having government privatizing everything, we're having government taking responsibility for what it needs to do, actually listening to people. And what would you say to the young people coming up in this just, I don't really know the adjective to describe what's going on right now, but what would you say to these young people who are watching on the national scale and local level, just the insanity that's occurring? Get involved. My best advice for you, whether you want to run for office or whether you want to find other ways to make a change, just get involved. I had the privilege of speaking to Southwestern high school students a couple months back, you know, still in the spring semester of their school year. And 
I was able to learn a lot from them as well as I hope that they were able to learn from me. We were able to have an open dialogue about how these individuals can get together to work on grassroots campaigns, how you can get involved at the high school level by holding voter registration jo- or voter registration drives. Sorry, a little bit of a tongue tie there. Um, <laughs> and how you can help to educate your peers and just provide them with the information. I know that Kate was also invited to the same event. We both spoke on different things. And um, I think it's important for students who aren't able to vote to make sure that you're reaching out to those of us who are candidates and who are running to represent you so that you can try to ask the questions that you feel are imperative to you and that so that you can learn as much as you can. Those opportunities also extend through through colleges, through local and national groups like Hanover for Progress, as I mentioned earlier, and through a number of, honestly, any kind of group, anywhere your interest lies, whether it's, I don't know, <laughs> whether it's activist groups um, for whatever you are really passionate about, there is a group that you can get involved in. There are multiple groups, you know. You can also go to rallies, to sit-ins. You can educate yourself and hold your representatives accountable for their actions. You know, we're out here, and I don't know a single campaign that I've come across in my time running, both state or congressional, who isn't in need of more volunteers. There is a mantra that's that everyone hears, I'm sure, from all sides of the spectrum, regardless of where you're running or who you're, whose campaign you're helping on or what you believe in, um, if it's a nonprofit or political or, or what, but it's dollars and dimes, do- or I'm sorry, dollars and doors, dollars and doors. And um, you can never have, a mo- have enough um, money, volunteers, or time. So I place volunteers among the most important of the three because they are. We can't do this alone. I can go out and knock 100 doors a day and still not be able to make as many touches as I need. You can never make too many touches with people face-to-face and the conversations that you're able to have on behalf of you know, yourself if you're running or with current representatives or um, for a candidate that you support or a group that you support. Um, even if it's just a single issue that you're very passionate about, go out, volunteer with those organizations or for those candidates, for those people. And, um, you know, in many cases, you can find jobs in your field out of this. You can find um, service hours and internships if you're still in school or looking. Um, but the best advice that I can say is just do it. Seriously, just do it. Get out, get involved, and find what lights a fire within you and do do the damn thing <laughs> so if someone wants to donate either dollars or time to you how could they do that all right you can look me up if you look up the hashtag hammond h-a-m-m-o-n-d uh, p-a-169 on either instagram or on facebook or on twitter we have twitter um you can s- there are all direct links that you can reach out to us there, or you can reach out at our website. We have an Act Blue account set up, which is our donation platform via our website. And you can go there if you click on donate or on volunteer, you'll find more information. And we also have our PO box address there for those who would be interested in sending um, a check as well. So we, there is one thing we cannot accept cash donations over a hundred dollars. We, I will never turn away a donation that's less because we can legally take that if it's cash. However, um, from a political standpoint, from the government standpoint, it's a lot easier for us to show them that we're being accountable, that we're not taking money from outside sources, that we're running a grassroots campaign, and that we're doing things legally. We're not taking PAC funding because if you 
as a donor or as someone who's concerned about your representatives and where their money is coming from or where they're spending it, all that information is available online. So you can see who and where we've received money from, who and where, you know, Kate or any of your other counterparts who are running for office, where, you know, who they're funding by, what their intentions are, and it all kind of comes together just like that. So, like I said, if you go to sarahhammond.us, all of our information's there. Okay, well, you heard it here from Sarah Hammond running for the PA House seat in the 169 district. We will share the link to her Facebook on our Facebook page, and I am forever grateful to have you on the other end here, Sarah. This I'm happy to finally get you on the show. It's so great to be here. I'm really, really appreciative of the opportunity. And thanks for everyone who listened. If you're in the area in the 169th district, go out and help Sarah kick some that yeah, <laughs> kick some ass. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you have to be blunt with these kind of things and it's the time for bluntness. So, thanks again, Sarah. I really appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, everybody, thanks for listening.